0: My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Last week I don't think I said what it was. I just said this is Todd Todd Adams. So it's Zen Parenting Radio.
1: Well they know by the music. But the intro music.
0: what if it's some new person?
1: Then you're making a good choice by telling them what it is this time.
0: Another good choice by me. Yes. What else is new?
1: Um, so many new things. What
0: are we talking about today?
1: We're going to talk about overscheduling kids and allowing for boredom.
0: Because boredom a good thing. Yes. And overscheduling is a bad thing. See, I'm
1: being quiet to see if you get bored.
0: No, I'm not bored. Okay, good. I'm just trying to create a little space. Okay,
1: which is what boredom really is. I think boredom gets a bad rap. I think that when people think of boredom, they think that's a bad thing and boredom is really the only time that your imagination can take over.
0: Yeah, it's when it has the opportunity to let it go, let the imagination go. You're right. And so you
1: can come up with new ideas. In what, I've, what I have figured out about myself is that my first couple years or the years that I had when the girls were really small, as much as I loved that time and I was so glad I was with them and home and everything, I wouldn't change it, but I struggled a lot um, because I was never alone and I like to get bored, not bored. Like, Oh, I have absolutely nothing to do or not like, well, see, I'm already thinking that it's a negative thing. I like to have space. I like to be able to kind of sit and space. Is out. Is Having
0: space and being bored, the same thing. No, cause you well, can deliberately create some space in your day. And not be bored, right?
1: Okay, very true. I don't, but yes, I completely agree with you. But, but I, when
0: you are bored, that is space.
1: That is an opportunity for space. And sometimes the feeling we, we get boredom comes from, oh, I have nothing to do. So we automatically jump to, I'm bored.
0: Well, and and I think us parents rarely are bored because we always have something to always. do. Whereas our kids constantly tell us they're bored.
1: Right. And- what do you think they really mean when they're bored, they when mean, they say they're bored?
0: They mean, please entertain me. Exactly.
1: That was exactly the words I was going to use. They're saying, please entertain me. I can't entertain myself. And I feel like that is an opportunity in itself to empower them to learn how to entertain themselves.
0: Well, and I've always said that you have to, um, you have to um, allow for – you need to be able – to (laughs) you're
1: you're you're bored in your head no
0: i'm not i know exactly (laughs) what i'm saying
1: okay i messed you up sorry
0: you need to resist the urge to entertain them okay but it takes some sacrifice and it takes some determination because kids are tenacious okay our kids and everybody else's kids okay keep on egging you on and making you feel guilty and whining and doing all this stuff that i can't stand right but if you can withstand that then eventually they will get bored with complaining And then they'll go figure out something to do.
1: I think that that is true. And I think another piece that we need to add to it, though, is knowing that it's a good thing for them. Because, you know, you're talking about the way we feel when they're asking us to to entertain them. But I also feel like most parents feel guilty as if it's their fault, Mm -hmm. as if if my child isn't entertained if my child's bored, it's part of my job to entertain them. Where, you know, it's okay to play with them and read them books and stuff. We're not saying completely detach. That would be – see, this is kind of the paradox, again, of parenting. We're saying, you know, be with your kids, spend time with your kids, and we're saying let them be bored. So you guys have to understand that there is a balance in here. It's when you constantly feel like, oh, we need to come up with another art project together. Oh, we need to go do something. Oh, we have to go to the, you know, we have to go on an adventure somewhere. That's good every once in a while, but every once in a while, it's good for your child to figure out on their own how they can be with themselves. How
0: to entertain themselves.
1: Entertain and just be. You know, if you... I think so many of us uh, are raised in such a way or just get into this uh, pattern of constantly being with people and constantly doing, 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 that we can't sit with ourselves. We can't sit in a room by ourselves and just appreciate and enjoy that time. We feel uncomfortable as if it's something bad that we're doing, that we're not, you know, we need to be accomplishing something. We need to be, you know... Checking
0: something off our list. Checking
1: something off the list. We need to be doing something with somebody else when really... Being with yourself, um, I th- and, you know, if I was to backtrack here, I think the, the reason we feel like we need to be constantly checking things off our list and doing things is because we can't sit with ourselves.
0: Right. We're afraid of it?
1: Well, what do you think? You're asking me, but what do you think?
0: I get uncomfortable at times when I am in a place where I have nothing to do. Right. And sometimes that is that un- I don't like to feel uncomfortable. So I will why- pick up a magazine or I will... ...put on the TV to eliminate that un- uncomfortable feeling.
1: Well, and let's take it a layer below. Why do you think you're uncomfortable when you don't have anything to do?
0: I have no idea. Tell me.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know. No I don't wanna...
0: <laughs> Come on. You know the answer. Well,
1: well I know what I guess. think. Well, I don't know yeah, the answer for everybody. Well, I just think that there, there are things that go on inside of us that we don't want to look at. Uh-huh. And when things get quiet around us, in our head... Um, We don't, we're not doing, doing, doing. We have to sit with it.
0: So in other words, if I'm sitting there and I don't want to feel this uncomfortable feeling and I want to pick up a magazine, you're saying maybe that is an opportunity for me to have some self-reflection to, I don't know, learn, grow from whatever's going on inside my brain?
1: It could be. I don't think it's so... um linear like that. I don't think it's like, if you want to grow, you need to sit and be bored. I don't think it's like that. I just think that there is a difference when you take, let's back up a little bit. If you take time every day and purposefully sit in quiet, um, meditate, take five minutes for yourself, whatever you want to call it. Again, I don't like to focus on what the language is. It's just sitting in quiet and appreciating what's going on inside and noticing your thoughts. If you can do that five minutes a day, or longer, hopefully, then when you are sitting somewhere, say you're sitting in a restaurant waiting for someone or something. Right. It's a lot easier to do that, to right. sit in peace. It's being able to sit in calm and sit in boredom. is It's a muscle that you have to work. Right. And if you're not working that muscle, it's very uncomfortable. It's like anything. You know, if you're, if you're stretching every day, it's not uncomfortable to get into certain poses. If it be yoga or to, you know, jump or whatever. But if you're not, then when you try and do those things, it's uncomfortable because that muscle needs to be stretched.
0: Well, and, and it's the
1: same way with quiet.
0: Well, and anybody who listens to our show, they know that I have a... I go in and out with my addiction towards my phone. And right. So I know I am... Uh, you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw rocks, that type of thing. But there are times when I just notice where I am, whether I'm getting on an airplane or whether I am in a restaurant or a restaurant's not a good example. Let's just say an airplane. I will walk down the aisle as I'm putting my, you know, get into my seat. <laughs> I noticed that. And literally, you know, maybe 95% of the people are screwing around on their, on their phone. phone. I know. And 30 years ago, we were probably saying hello to our neighbor. My my name's Todd. I'm going to California for a work trip. But instead, my phone is my friend. Right, and I don't communicate with the person next to me.
1: Right, I had that exam that same deep thought when we were coming home um, from LA. I was walking down the aisle, and, every- and it was almost funny, wasn't it? Yeah. Every single person. You feel like was on you're in home. a
0: parody, yeah. and that this is a joke, it but is. it's actually what happens.
1: It is, and now we will. I can say that if it be ten, twenty years ago, people would have probably had their newspapers, mm-hmm. they would have had their magazines or their books. So it's not like we were all looking at each other before this. It's just
0: the accessibility of. Your phone. Right. And it's always in your pocket. You don't always have your newspaper in your pocket. You don't always have a book available. Whereas you always have your phone in your pocket. Right. And you can get to it. And I can do anything on that phone. I could read my sports page. I could, I mean, it's just so crazy how the world is at your fingertips.
1: So it's a fantastic thing. Again, paradox here, people. It's a fantastic thing to have the access mm-hmm. to that. But it can also be a challenge because can you not get it out and sit with yourself. Like I think one of the things that um, as just as people, but then also as parents, is we want to make sure that we are in touch with ourselves, right? We talk about this on the show all the time. This is what it means to be self-aware. But it's very difficult to be in touch with yourself if you're constantly filling up every space. You have to be able to notice what you're thinking. You have to be able to sit in quiet and kinda of, I, I um again I get visuals when I do it, but when I close my eyes I can see my thoughts, wow, I can't believe that's bothering me. Or that's interesting, or ooh, that's still flying through my head. And you, you kind of notice yourself, mm-hmm. and then you're more conscious of what you're carrying around. Most people aren't aware of what they're carrying around, and they don't. They, they're heavy. Maybe because, like last week we talked about, because they read a book or because they watched a show, but they blame it on other people. Right. They'll say this person bothered me right. instead of the, instead of the person is conscious of that they're carrying around a heavy energy. They blame it on everybody else, and so we have to be aware of of what what we're feeling what we're thinking and this sounds so simple but it, people are so challenged by this mm-hmm. because they're uncomfortable with sitting. Right. And, and I'm not even just talking about the act of meditating or the five minutes, but just being bored. Mm-hmm. And so we pass that along to our children right. because then our children get bored and we know, oh my gosh, that's so uncomfortable, so let's fill that space for them. Or you know, our least favorite, oh, let's turn on the TV then. Right. You're bored, so the TV goes on. Right. And it's like, it's okay to say to your child, and again, we've joked on this show and I've been saying this in presentations for years. But when your child says to you, I'm really bored, to say, that's great.
0: Yeah, we our kids are so sick of hearing that. Yeah, They're I like, know. oh great, here come mom and dad with the old that's great, I'm bored thing.
1: I know, and I try not to be too much of a smart aleck about it. I was actually just saying to a friend the other night that if it's a preteen, you don't need to be so you know cheesy like that. If a preteen says, oh, I'm so bored, just to say, oh... You know, bummer or, yeah. um, or, oh, I hear you or, right. ooh, you know, just give them a validation of that you hear them, but then you can stop there. Right. You don't have to then create some big scenario unless you want to, right. like sometimes you like to create games with the girls when sure. they're bored. So this isn't like a all the time right. but it's something to consider right it's a balance it's a balance it's like if you are constantly feeling guilty about making sure your children are entertained i would like to i would like this discussion to lessen that guilt for you mm-hmm. and if you constantly are annoyed at your children because they tell you you're they're bored i would like you to take that off your annoyance list because then you can say to them well okay do something with it right Go be. I mean, one of our actually all of our children have the potential to be imaginative. They're all very imaginative, but one of our children in particular, she needs that space to go like do all the voices in her head and right. do all that. You know, she needs to be alone and to get whatever is available, if it be little dolls or people or even characters, so she can like play things out. She needs that boredom time, and the other two enjoy it too. But I think she's the one that I know really thrives in that.
0: Well, and we need to empower them to take responsibility for their own thing. I mean, if, they, if they're 5 years old or 10 years old or 15 years old and they look to us whenever they're bored, they're not taking any responsibility for themselves to say, hey, figure it out. Right. Because if we, I'm sure there's parents out there and we've had these moments where It's just easier to flip on the TV, or it's easier to come up with an idea so they don't have to. Right. And that's fine to do at certain times, but if it's all you're doing, then that's not necessarily such a good thing.
1: Exactly. Again, going back to the balance, like every once in a while, I mean, you know, sometimes parents get annoying and a child will say, I'm really bored. Well, then go clean your room. Well, you know, those kind of options, kids aren't necessarily going to jump on it. But if you just say, oh, that's a bummer, you know, let me know what you figure out, sometimes a child will go clean their room on their own without that kind of Pressure, or they will go create something, or they'll go draw something, or they'll, you know, do something crazy out of the box, like write a letter. You just you don't know, but you have to leave that space open so they can do it, mm-hmm. and you have to trust that they can. Yeah. And you have to practice this. If you only try it once, you'll come back and say, "Well, Kathy and Todd, they were bored and they annoyed me for the next thirty minutes." Well, it's a muscle too. Sure. You they have to work it in themselves too, and they have to get used to the fact that every once in a while you're going to say all right, you know, enjoy the boredom.
0: Well, and a lot of this has to do with uh, the term mindfulness, which we throw around a lot on the show. And, um, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I had to come up with a definition for mindfulness is just embracing the present moment and yeah. things like that. And I found something on Facebook. There's a congressman from Ohio. His name is Tim Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called something oh it's called a mindful nation he, it's called something no it's called a mindful nation smart Alex. <laughs> it's called uh how to how a practice how a simple practice can help us reduce stress improve performance and recapture the american spirit wow the reason that that's a cool thing is because this is a congressman and they there's even a short video on i've it. seen the youtube clip and you see him with a bunch of kids in this gymnasium and he's sitting there with his legs crossed doing yoga doing yoga And I was just so pleased to see that this didn't come from the Dalai Lama. Mm -hmm. This did not come from an author who sold 10 zillion books Mm -hmm. about mindfulness. This comes from a guy who deals with politics and just the whole Washington, D.C. thing and how this is completely, in my opinion foreign to what I'm used to hearing out of Washington, D.C.
1: And I think the most important part of this is why, and look at, Todd, look at who the foreword is written by, John Kabat-Zinn. Right. Um, But the thing that I love about this is that a lot of times when we discuss mindfulness, it's why I'm always very careful with my words when I give a presentation. Is that people will cast it off as either a cultural thing, a religious thing, um, a New Age thing. It only you know religious people do it. Only spirit you know spiritual people. And again, I think the word spiritual applies to everybody, but not everybody does. Right. And so they'll cast it off as something other people do. Right. And the thing is, is why I love that a congressman is talking about this. Is it's bringing it even more mainstream. It's not about Any it's it doesn't belong to a group. It's something for all of us. And it has nothing to do to me. It's got nothing to do with anything except your own peace of mind. It's not about if you are, you know, you know, you get into people who are way into the secret and the law of attraction. If you meditate, then you'll get stuff. That's not what it is. I mean, we all have had enough issues in our life, hopefully, by this time, that we realize just having peace of mind is the greatest gift we can have. Mm -hmm. And then what comes from peace of mind is the icing on the cake. You know, things do come from it. But that's not your reason necessarily. Maybe that'll kickstart it and then you'll realize how much you love it. But just to have that understanding of that when you have fear, that it's not real, that it's just a thought. Mm. When you are overwhelmed and stressful, that you can sit and realize it's just thoughts and that really here in the present, everything's fine. It's such a gift for everybody and for us to be able to teach our kids on their level. You know, maybe we can't come at them with terms like, you know, my, well, we do, but, you know, like things like mindfulness, we don't...
0: Like, like Cameron. Yeah. Because she, her, her eating tendencies tend to be fast. like, she eats very fast as if we're about to take this piece of food away from her. <laughs> she has
1: one leg on the chair and one leg yeah, off. Yeah, like she's not even sitting
0: comfortably. <laughs> and we, And we say, and she's probably sick of hearing this, Cameron, sit down. Put
1: both legs. Put both legs. Be mindful when you eat. Enjoy it. Yeah,
0: I don't know why she's so scared. She thinks we're going to steal it.
1: (laughs) She just is. She's always in a hurry. But she's
0: not tasting the food. And you know what? I I am probably not a good model for this. Because I do, I I don't think I do it the way she does, but I probably do it pretty close where you're just so hungry and you start eating, you start eating, 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 and you're not tasting the food. You just... You know you're lost. You're unconscious. Right. And I am not a good role model for that. And well, you
1: not always, but some of the are time times you are. That I do. And I think that the thing when we're talking to our kids about this, and we'll just focus on eating. A lot of parents will go to the manners mm-hmm. thing. Well, you're not showing manners, or you need to eat in a certain way so everyone thinks you look good. Mm-hmm. Or it's not so much. Even though manners can play a role, it's about. Cameron, uh, you know your stomach can only take so much food at a time. Listen to your body. Enjoy the taste. So it's a gift to her. Mm-hmm. It's not about eat nice so everyone thinks you're great. Mm-hmm. It's eat slowly so you can enjoy the moment. It's like if you give them something to hold on to. If you're just telling them to do it so everyone likes them right. or thinks that they're fancy, it doesn't make any. It sense. doesn't make any difference to them. Well,
0: and I, you know, one very simple trick that I sometimes do when I'm aware of it is just take smaller bites. I mean, that is a very practical tip that helps me when I have the discipline to take smaller bites because if it takes smaller bites, then I chew it longer and I taste it more and all that. And you use a fork and a knife for crazy foods.
1: (laughs) I know. And that is your... For a a sandwich. I cut a sandwich with a fork and knife. And that is
0: your way to eat slower and be more mindful and everything else. And
1: enjoy it because I really like to eat.
0: Well, and another thing that you said, I mean, I I used to love McDonald's. I don't love it as much as I used to, but I don't know what book you read it in, but... They said, if you, you know, they have that whole thing where you're supposed to chew your food 30 times. Uh-huh. Whoever does that is just...
1: Really mindful. Really,
0: really <laughs> mindful. And I don't know, I think I'd get frustrated by the fourth bite mm-hmm. or the fourth chew. But what they, what it said in the book is, if you do that with all your foods, you'll figure out which foods are real and which foods are not.
1: Because you can taste it at because the end. Because you
0: can taste it. So in other words, let's say you have kind of a... Hormone-injected hamburger from McDonald's. Mm -hmm. By the end of the 30th bite, it's going to taste Metallic. Metallic Mm -hmm. and weird. Chemically. Yeah. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you do that with a fresh orange, or, you know, I don't know if you can chew an orange for 30 times, but I think you get my point. It tastes great. It still has that same taste. Mm -hmm. So that is a way for you, for us, to find out whether or not the food we're eating is real. Yeah.
1: Even though we know... You know, we know what's if we're putting a hamburger, right, but
0: it is like a litmus test. You're,
1: I understand, yeah. You yeah. just
0: kind of do it and you figure out whether or not you know it's just another way. So next time you're eating something, do just decide in one bite you're going to chew one out of the forty that you have at the meal. 30 times and see what it tastes like.
1: And think to yourself, does this really taste good? Right. Or am I just used to eating this? Right. Or is it just, like for me, sometimes it's frustrating because I do have some um, picky um, eating habits. You know, sometimes just nothing's available. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of take what I can get. And then I'm like, this really isn't even good. And right. You know, so just being more, that's just a way to practice mindfulness. But I want to talk about, kind of go to the flip side of this and talk about overscheduling. Okay. Because I think boredom is a good lead into why we overschedule kids. I think, working with the families that I've worked with over the years, that part of the reason we overschedule is because we're uncomfortable with downtime. Okay. It's not necessarily, even though our intention is, well, I want my child to have a bunch of opportunities and I want to expose them to all sorts of things, which isn't necessarily a bad thing in theory. But then what we end up doing is we get them so busy so we don't have to sit still right. because we don't like the feeling of sitting still. And we then pass that on to our children.
0: Well, what I find is interesting, and we're not there yet. Our oldest is, just turned nine. And so there are families out there that have, you know, like a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 14-year-old. And I understand that's a lot different because ours are nine seven and four
1: you know what though Ted? I agree with you because especially the people we know who have kids that age they're they're in traveling soccer right. and stuff but there are plenty of parents who right now with their kids the age of our kids who are all over the place right. too
0: that's true so I think it's relative so and what what we say to each of our girls is you could choose one thing at a time mm-hmm. so JC's doing soccer and Cameron's doing performance theater theater and Skylar is doing her belt her dance yep. thing So what's funny to me is when these parents complain about how busy they are because of carpooling and all these schedules Mm -hmm. and everything else, it's as if they had no choice in the matter whatsoever, when in fact they do have a choice. Now, that just means that their priority is to let their kids experience three different things at the same time versus one. But I just don't want to live the next 10 years of my life jumping in the car, going from one place to another every single day. Like my one friend I play basketball with, He his daughter is in track. And at the parents' meeting, they said, forget about spring break for the next four years. Wow. Yikes. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's like a huge... And it's not to say that anybody's bad, but think about that. And that's one sport. It's heavy. What about a a son or a daughter who's a three-sport athlete? Where it's football in the fall and basketball in the winter (sighs) and baseball in the spring. I can't imagine um, that the parents... Or the kids aren't going to have any time to do anything other than that stuff.
1: Well, and that's the thing is that right now, what I do agree with you about the older kids versus our kids is our kids are very happy to do one thing. Right. Um, they, it's easy for them to find something they love, and they love to come home and go outside and play. And we live across the street from a park, so they love that freedom. And they've and,
0: been. Jc's been going to that park for seven years, and I she know. still loves going over the exact same park that has the exact same equipment that they had seven it's years because it's
1: the people, not the equipment. Right. No. And yeah. I
0: just think it's funny Like that the, these kids are resourceful yes. and they will find the fun in whatever it is.
1: Exactly. And just the fact that they come home... You know, you think about a kid's day. They wake up, they go to school, they're on, on, on all day except for maybe a little recess, but that's still social. Right. You still have to be on in a social way. You know, lunch... And then they come home, they do homework because that's the first thing our girls do when they come home is they'll well, have a snack and do homework, and then to send them off to something else, which we do do on, mm-hmm. mon- uh, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Do do, we do do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And but we you know, if I did that every day of the week, I would
0: pull your hair out.:
1: I would not only would I pull my hair out because I don't want to drive around, but I also think that might be a load on my girls. Yeah. Now, when they get older, they may start to say, "I want to do three. Well, things. And that's
0: my thing, like what ha- well, like let's be devil's advocate. Yeah. like I'll be a parent whose kid says, uh, I want to do baseball, and yeah. I want to do dance, and I want to do this. Are, you, are we advising those parents to say no?
1: Not necessarily. I think that that is, again, when the child gets to a certain age where they, the child is saying, I want these things for the, the reason is because I want to do them. I think it's very different than putting our five-year-old right. in six different things because we think we need to expose them right. because they're getting exposed to so much on a daily basis anyway. Right. Um, and I think that I don't even know if I can speak to that and say it would be yes or no, because I would have to kind of, I can see myself saying to one of my children, if they're like, I want to do these three things, we can start it and let's see how it goes. Right. You know, can we up, keep it up? I don't know. Right. Because maybe by the time they're 16, they have their license, maybe access to a car, their friends are driving, so there'll not be as much carpooling. Right. Like, it's hard for me to...
0: Because we're not there yet. We're not there. But we're also setting a precedent. Like, if we were bombarding these three daughters of right. ours with two or three different things all at the same time, odds are that that snowball will continue oh, to pick yeah. up speed.
1: And that's the way that they'd know to live. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't know to have downtime right. because they would perceive downtime as laziness, not filling the space with something good, um, where my belief system is open space is something right. good.
0: So, and just to give our listeners a peek into our lives, like you said, uh, soccer just began. So let's forget about soccer, but... Every Monday for the last few months, you have taken uh, J.C. and Cameron to their ballet, uh-huh. uh, to their per- dance. Performance
1: and gymnastics. And gymnastics, and then doing. I
0: take Skylar to dance. ballet on uh-huh. uh, Tuesday mornings, and uh-huh. that's it. Right. That is the end of their outside commitments. Mm-hmm. And, well, Except
1: for brownies, yeah. daisies, they have other things, but they're related to the school. And it's, it's not every week. It's not every week, it's, right? They've got know, other things. We do
0: Indian Princess, which right. is a, you know three campouts every three times a year. So it's not like they're not in anything. But the
1: commitment's not as big. Right. I think that's the thing.
0: So you know, I just say to myself when I hear friends of mine complain about how busy they are because their kids are in so many things, I just want to say you have a say in mm-hmm. this, and that's not to say you stifle. Your kids want to do stuff. Or
1: rip it all away. Right.
0: But keep it in balance. Keep it in balance. So, um, oh my gosh. I know. I
1: want to talk about what we're doing this week because we have a big week, you and I. Go ahead. Um, On Friday, uh, today is the, what is today? The 10th? Tuesday. Tuesday. So this um, Friday night, we have family yoga at Daily Method. You can call 630-832-3245 to register. You can also go to Um And daily, by the way, is spelled D-A-I-L-E-Y. It's someone's last name, okay. Jill Daly's last name, thedailymethod.com. And also uh, Saturday morning, um, the 14th, um, I'll be on WGM that morning. It's at 11 a.m., different mm-hmm. time. And then that afternoon, 1230 to 3, I'm doing a workshop called Raising Girls Who Love Themselves for Moms. And it's also at the Daily Method. So if you want to register, again, 630-832-3245 or go to thedailymethod.com, find the Elmhurst location, and you can register online.
0: Okay, very good. Now will talk about our sponsors. Okay. Uh, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. They're based out of Elmhurst here. Our family goes to them on a weekly week. basis. And we adore them. Um, and their website is chirotree.com. Secondly, Avid Company, Painting and Remodeling, all over the Chicagoland area, uh, 630-956-1800. And finally, our, our favorite Poofin sponsor. Uh, soft, cuddly p- pillows for kids, adults, you name it. That you put really
1: awesome charms in it that represent who they are.
0: And if your kids happen to be doing some type of overnight camp this summer, that would be a good uh, present for them to bring yep. part of themselves out to camp with them. com. So we only have a quick minute left here, and I want to talk about my tournament, tournament of bad.
1: And you got to give me a second.
0: Okay. Um, well, the one thing that I have is... I can't stand finding one sock. Where's the, all the other socks? That's
1: our entire house. Yeah, I have got no idea.
0: 25, uh, one sock. I there.
1: do have a sock drawer now, though, right outside the laundry room, FYI.
0: Can't stand it. Okay. Uh, I can't stand that guy from TMZ.
1: Oh, I just can't stand TMZ. We were in
0: California, and that was like on a lot, and um, just. That guy that always drinks the sippy cup. I know. That's always standing up with the sippy cup. I don't know his name. He
1: gives me the negative vibe. And like, I think
0: he's filthy rich based on this business that he created.
1: Of following people around.
0: Following people around Ugh. cameras. It's just crazy. I so. Like it. Um, and then undercooked bacon. <laughs> Why does everybody undercook bacon? You know what? You just got to say every restaurant you go to. Not every. Most restaurants you go to, they undercook their bacon. You got to just say crispy. I know, but you know, if it's um if it's a uh, what's that called? The line the.
1: Uh, like smorgasbord type thing? <laughs> Buffet? Buffet, okay. thank you. I can't
0: think of it. <laughs> they they always under, and same as hash browns. I
1: know. Everybody under them up.
0: Crisp them up. Alright, what do you got?
1: My turn, cause I gotta take this, uh, good and bad. My tournament of good, I'm gonna start, no, I'm gonna start with the bad. Okay. No, I'm gonna start with the good. No, why
0: don't you change your mind? <laughs>
1: that I just finished all the Hunger Game books. I finished all three of them. The good is that it's so great to have books that I love to read and that it's fun and enjoyable. The bad is I can't get them out of my head and I am completely having a hangover from the books. And I can't stop thinking about them and it's causing me to my quiet time is filled with images of the Hunger Games. Is
0: it because of PETA? It is. And your your infatuation with him? Yes. So what if it's PETA versus Edward? Who do you like? Oh
1: better? gosh, don't ask me that question. I That's can't believe too much. you're even
0: thinking about it. you invested years of your Ugh. your pretend Guy loyalty towards Edward. It's a I, different
1: kind of love. Oh, I just you're not allowed <laughs> to answer
0: different. Which one is it? Edward or Peta?
1: I just finished mocking you yesterday. One is it? You can't ask me that question. I will not answer. That's right weak. Now.
0: I Think about it. Sorry. Um, have an answer for me next week. I will. This is Todd Adams saying goodbye. And this is
1: Kathy Adams. Have a good week.